Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. today is 1 Corinthians 15. Um, if you are joining us from our live stream chat, then go ahead and put in the chat any word or phrase that sticks out to you. Um, when you think of 1 Corinthians, what part of the Bible is that from? <laughs> letters. Yes, letters. And so uh, this is right from Paul. Very good. So um, this is one of the Pauline letters in the New Testament. And so these are um, letters th- written by someone who started a church and then left that community, and then is now writing a letter back to that community. Um, and I'm going to ask you to listen for a word or phrase that sticks out to you, and you'll shout it out after the reading. This is what I'm saying, brothers and sisters and siblings. Flesh and blood can't inherit God's kingdom. Something that rots can inherit something that doesn't decay. Listen, I'm telling you a secret. All of us won't die, but we will all be changed. In an instant, in the blink of an eye, at the final trumpet, the trumpet will blast and the dead will be raised with bodies that won't decay, and we will be changed. It's necessary for this rotting body to be clothed with what can't decay, and for the body that is dying to be clothed in what can't die. And when the rotting body has been clothed in what can't decay, and the dying body has been clothed in what can't die, then this statement in scripture will happen. Death has been swallowed up by a victory. Where is your victory, death? Where is your sting, death? Death's sting is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us this victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. As a result of all of this, my beloved brothers and sisters and siblings, you must stand firm, you must be firm, unshakable, excelling in the work of the Lord as always, because you know that your labor isn't going to be for nothing in the Lord. So uh, I'm going to pull up the live stream chat. If you're joining us online, then go ahead and say what word or phrase stuck out to you in the chat. Um, Otherwise, uh, from our on-site community, just shout out a word or phrase. What stuck out to you? Swallowed up. Hmm? Isn't going to be for nothing. Listen. We will be changed. Hmm. Hmm. Bodies that won't decay. Yeah. Unshakable. Victory. Hmm. Yeah. Where's thy sting? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, this is good. And then uh, from our online community, we hear folks say, stand firm, unshakable. Where is your victory? We will be changed in the blink of an eye. Sting as a result of this, yeah. Boy, isn't the Bible just so interesting? I could just read the Bible all day long, every day. So um, if there's a word or phrase that stuck out to you from that reading, then go ahead and continue to meditate on that throughout the worship service, because God might be trying to bring something to your attention. We are uh, in the middle of our sermon series, all good. Okay, I feel like we need a little bit more zip 
and pizzazz from our community today. So I'm gonna invite you to flex a foot out and then prepare your hand of holiness <laughs> and <laughs> gesture vaguely to yourself. All good. Yeah, so we are uh, in this sermon series about bodies where we're talking about the goodness of bodies, how um, uh, our bodies are as much of a gift from God as nature is, as worship is, as sacraments are. Uh, and when we live into our bodies, we are living into the incarnation of God. So it is such a beautiful sermon series. Hasn't it just been gorgeous? To be, I, I've loved this sermon series. Um, and last week, John Carlos preached about saying no to things and, and um, naming your desire and what you want and kind of your calling. And I think it's interesting because we are doing a sermon series challenge where every week people weigh in uh, on like how the sermon is resonating with them, um, what action steps they're taking in that particular area. And I don't really know what it means that we had the lowest number of shares on the week that focused on our wants and desire. <laughs> ha ha, interesting community, interesting. So let's just pray about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and let this sermon series continue to be a place of practice uh, and continue to weigh in on Circle how your practice is going. If you are joining us on the live stream and you don't know what Circle is, it is our new city social platform. So if you navigate over on the menus and then uh, in community there's a little thing for Circle, you can get your free account. There aren't paid ads on Circle. There's no algorithm. Like what you, what you see is the same thing that everyone else is seeing. Like it's a place for us to be in community together. Um, if you love Circle, can you just give a hand? Yes, 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 bless the Lord. Okay. I wanna give a little bit of content warning today um, because as it is um, Halloween, All Saints, uh, uh, Dia de los Muertos, I just wanna give a little bit of a content warning that uh, today's sermon is going to be about death. Today we're going to talk about death. And I know that there are some folks who are like, whoop, this is not the word for me to receive today, Tyler. <laughs> and I just want to give you permission, like, um, if you're feeling some hard emotions, then you're welcome to do what you need to do to self-regulate that. So if you want to uh, listen from the lobby, sometimes that is easier for folks. If you want to look outside, if you want to get some water, like, it's totally, totally good. All good. Just, like, don't, like, hit other people, and then, w and then you know, you just do what you got to do. And we, we know in a, as a community that um, we're all living in bodies, and our bodies have memories, and the body keeps the score, and sometimes uh, uh, there are certain, like, memories around death that are particularly painful. And so we just want to um, give you permission to, to do what you got to do. And also, I want to name that, like, if we can't talk about death at church, then where in the world are we going to talk about it? You know, like, we have to be able to to pray through this. We have to be able to like invite God's love into these experiences of death just as much as any other experience. Otherwise, our faith doesn't have integrity or legitimacy. So uh, so we're going to talk about death and just in be gentle with yourself. And if you're like, okay, yep, this is my time uh, to sign off, just know that here's a summary. Uh, Jesus loved you. And also everyone should have a healthcare directive. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, as a pastor, uh, we'll talk about it later on in the worship service, but um, 
a healthcare directive is just a blessing that you give to your family that if anything were to happen to you, that there would just be some clarity around what you would like to happen. And that just like really helps the family to have that in writing with a notary seal on it. So yeah, uh, so go ahead and do that. And also, if you're feeling a certain kind of way about uh, this topic, then I just invite you to meditate on, um, if you're stressed, just remember that the Turritopsis dornii is an immortal jellyfish. So, yep, it is a, this is a, there is a, there is a jellyfish that never dies, and it's this, it's the Turritopsis dornii. It's like super duper small, and it uh, is immortal. So if you're ever like, whoa, I feel like the, the floor is letting out underneath me and I don't know what's happening in the world, just know that the Turnitopsis dornii <laughs> is there for you. That you will always have the same Turnitopsis dornii <laughs> in the world as anything else. So you can count on that. Um, uh, and, and I just want you to know that, that the love of God is like the Turnitopsis dornii. The love of God is like this jellyfish that it's kind of like what happens is if you imagine a jellyfish, it, this is a bad metaphor, but like it's as if a butterfly were able to turn back to a caterpillar and then turn into a butterfly again. And so it turns back into a polyp and then it turns into a jellyfish and then just goes right on back. So it can be like eaten by stuff, but it can't be like, yeah, uh, we have a comment. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah, it can be eaten by stuff. Yep, it can be eaten and it can um, be affected by climate change, but just left to its own desire, it can, it will just, it'll just be immortal forever. And so bless the Lord and God's love for you is permanent forever. Yes. So, um, so if you're following along on preaching illustration bingo, then you can finally check off jellyfish as one of the images that you've heard at church here at New City Church. Congratulations, you now have bingo. Your prize is God's love. And um, <laughs> um, so yes, uh, that is, that is <laughs> there. Um, speaking of uh, things, I was yesterday or uh, two days ago, I went to Anoka, Anoka, Minnesota. Okay, so we have folks joining us from all over the country and all over the world. Something that you need to know about Minnesota is that there's a place called Anoka, and Anoka is the Halloween capital of the world. Halloween capital of the world. And so that means that there is like a um, neighbors all throughout Anoka decorate their houses as like self, like DIY haunted houses all throughout the city. And you can like get a map and then go to these different houses of like neighbors. It's not like a regulated standardized thing. <laughs> this is like, hey, the, 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 the folks across the street just decided to put in a haunted house and their teenage son had dreams for what this would be like. And so like you walk in and so like for example, there's this one where you like walk around the house and there's like different stations and then it ends in their garage. And there was one station where it's like tented in and it's, um, and there's a fog machine 
And so you can't see what is going on, like, waist down. You're just walking through this fog machine. And I won't spoil it, but things happen in that room. <laughs> so it's, it's very spooky. It's just fun. But it's, uh, it's very, like, you know, it's anti-capitalist in that it's free and that it's, like, you know, people uh, get to participate however they want to participate. And, um, and it's just spooky. And so we, I, I went around and uh, we looked at all the different um, options and, and different houses and themes. And there was like the pirate theme house and there was like the fog room one, which was like so scary. And then there was like one that had like rooms of each s horror movie. And like they like, yeah. So <laughs> um, and, and you started to see after going through these house after house after house, certain themes, uh, certain like images or tropes of like things that are particularly scary. And one of them, of course, almost ubiquitously was the graveyard, the cemetery. There were lots of tombstones that had funny things like these ones that said a tisket, a, a casket, his head in the basket, and it's for Gil a teen, yeah, okay, yep, dad jokes in the morning. And then uh, <laughs> here lies Mozart decomposing. Wow, okay, yeah. So there was, a, there was a lot of these, a lot of these spooky tombstones. And I, you know, as a pastor, uh, I ask myself questions that I don't know if you all <laughs> ask yourself, but one of the questions is like, why is it that a tombstone is something that is so ubiquitously understood as scary. Why is it that, that a graveyard is like automatically assumed to be a place of uh, scariness? And I think the answer is pretty straightforward is that death is uh, kind of scary. Death is scary for people, death is scary to witness, death is scary for our bodies. And of course, like Halloween is this day when we're like kind of making fun of this or trying to kind of spook people to get a rise out of them. But of course, like in the real world, death is as serious of a thing or as scary of a thing as anything. And we remember that this week even as uh, we remember what happened in Lewiston, Maine, the mass shooting that was there. Uh, we remember the conflict that's uh, only frothing over in Israel and Palestine. We remember Ukraine and we hear stories of death that are very scary, like legitimately and truly. And so like it's, it's this thing where our whole biology, it almost seems like, is attuned to be afraid of death. I recently got into the photography of um, Latoya Ruby Frazier. Have any of you heard of Latoya Ruby Frazier? So um, uh, she is a MacArthur Fellow, formerly known as the MacArthur Genius Fellowship, okay? Uh, has collections in the Museum of Modern Art, the Library of Congress, the the Pompidou in uh, the museum that is in France, the only one in, in Paris, and, um, and many more, like world-renowned photographer. And um, uh, uh, Latoya's first like, collection was a 16-year-long photography project of her photographing her family as she grew up. And uh, she grew up in this uh, small town in Pennsylvania, right next to a steel mill. And so a lot of her photography projects are about environmental racism and the impacts that the pollution from the steel mill had on her family. And one of the subjects that uh, she photographed was her grandmother, Ruby. And so 
Um, on the left, we have a photo of Grandma Ruby and her, um, and that was a photo that she took. And then the self-portrait um, to the right is the picture that she took 10 a.m. the morning after she found out that her grandmother had passed away. And I just am so gripped by the emotion in this art, like so, like the, the intensity in the eyes and the posture and um, the setting and the um, ownership of it. Like this is all her life, you know, this is an artist portraying what emotion looks like in her life as uh, growing up in this like polluted, uh, uh, um, she grew up poor, she grew up in a black family, she grew up in a, in a family that was failed by many systems in our society. And she was telling the story from first person. And I think that when we think about the scariness of death or the seriousness of death, all we need to do is look in the eyes of that self-portrait and know truly what toll death takes the emotional weight that death creates. Um, and, and I'm grateful for art in being able to kind of elevate these emotions or trying to like locate within us what it feels like and how we can process through this. Um, I just want to name that like our, the fear in our body wisely reminds us that violence is an aberration. That like when we experience violence or when we witness violence or when we know that violence is happening, uh, there's a certain response that kicks into us that's like, okay, I got to get out of here or something's wrong. And that is like God's signature in our body to say like violence is an aberration for what creation is supposed to be. Uh, in, in the Bible, we see texts of like eventually God's dream is that the lion will lie down with the lamb. Like eventually in God's dream, there will be no more tears shed over people whose lives were cut too soon. In God's imagination, violence is an aberration. And I believe that when we're talking about removing the sting of death, part of that is, is looking at the sting of violence and, and the sting of, of things being cut off too soon. You know, in um, the book of Corinthians, the first Corinthians what, that we were listening to, the intention of Paul in this whole section is to talk about the bodily resurrection, how, how people will be raised from the dead. And there was rightfully some folks in Corinth, Corinth who were like, okay, so can you just like walk me through the logistics of that? <laughs> like, like bodily resurrection? Like if I decompose and I'm like part of the ground, like I'm going to come physically back? Like what is going on there? And, um, and I think, so there's like a logistics question and then there's an emotion question, which is the case for every theological quandary, by the way. Uh, there's a logistics question and there's an emotional question. And to the logistics, he's like, hey, uh, it's not like, like we will be raised in a, in a new body, in an embodied way, as in like in a material way, in a tangible way, but like don't get so caught up of like who's in the ground or if you have someone who's like um, uh, someone who like lost a limb and then like wondering if they will have that limb in the resurrection like no 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 let's just reverse out of that like the the intention of Jesus's resurrection is that we will find a, a kind of a new earth like a new creation a new way of being and some of that will be recognizable and some of that will be entirely unrecognizable. And, and the, the point is like that 
if we trust in God's promise, then we live differently now. And that's kind of uh, what Paul is trying to get at. And I think that's so helpful because uh, there's a lot, there's some logistics to ask about resurrection, but then there's also like an emotional layer of what do we do with death? Like what do we, what do we do that we, that people we didn't want to die are dead now? Like what do we do that um, people that we built our whole lives around are gone and now we have to create a new normal? Like what do we do with the violence on our streets, in our community? What do we do? And I think um, the response to that is something that is so dear and gentle and beautiful that we can only find it when we're in a hospital room. I, I'm a pastor, and I've accompanied people in the last moments of their life. And what I found is that in the right conditions, telling the right story, there is a certain type of presence that is possible in a hospital room at the end of someone's life that is not possible any other time in human existence. What I found is that amidst the, the beeping of the monitors and the slow hush of the tubes and the wires, that what emerges is a certain type of raw honesty of what it means to be a human being. And part of the um, reconciliation that we find with death as Christians is learning to understand, learning to recognize that there can be beauty in death as well, that, that there can even be sacredness in death, that God showing up at the end of someone's life can be as potent and moving as anything that you might experience on this earthly world. And when we start to open our hearts to the beauty of death, to change the story of death, to frame that death in a circumstance of love, then uh, lots of doors start coming unlocked for us. A lot of new pathways emerge. This is why, by the way, it's a good idea to have a healthcare directive. Because healthcare directives are this document where you say, like, this is what I would like the end of my life to look like and you give it to your family so that your family has those decisions already made and then they can attend to the sacredness of death. A lot of times when someone is at the end of their life, there can be, um, I don't know if you've ever, ever experienced this in your family, but there's, there can be fighting, there can be a lot of drama at the end of uh, life because emotions are high, energy is high, a lot of times like people are exhausted and, and we get so caught up in the squabbles of it that we lose the Holy Spirit emerging from this site of death. So like a healthcare directive just kind of helps to clarify like, okay, yep, all those decisions are made. All that is left is to um, uh, recognize the Holy Spirit shimmering to the surface amidst this end of life. End of life is a really good time to say thank you. Um, to talk to this person uh, and, and to offer up your gratitude. End of life is a really good time to say, I'm sorry. Uh, to apologize for the things that maybe haven't been reconciled yet. End of life is a good time to say, I forgive you 
uh, because sometimes there are some things that need to be resolved and this is your last chance to do it. End of life is a good time to say, I love you, because that love is what you will carry with you from that hospital room. But that honest conversation, that beautiful, honest conversation of a heart speaking plainly is only possible if you are able to recognize the beauty of death, the gift of death. In United Methodism, we don't consider it a sacrament to uh, have last rites or to die, but I think it's super duper sacred. Uh, and I think that our invitation is to move from being scared of death to seeing death as sacred. To see cemeteries as amazing places where we can learn things. To see hospital rooms as uh, uh, altars for us to worship at. For us to visit people who are dying as the same way that we would visit someone who um, is uh, uh, marginalized or the same way we would visit an elected official to advocate for justice or the same way that we would visit a family member to create reconciliation. Those are Christian habits and it is a Christian habit to start seeing death as sacred, beautiful. And so in our scripture where it says, and when the rotting body has been clothed in what can't decay, so that's again Paul trying to be like, Okay, so even if a body is decayed, like there's a certain, there's another world emerging where we will all be raised in God, a new creation. And the dying body has been clothed in what can't die. Then this statement in scripture will happen. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? It's a scripture saying like, death is gonna happen, but the sting of death doesn't have to happen. Death is going to happen, but in the right circumstances, if we pray and do our work and certain things align that are outside of our control, death can be as fiery and passionate as the, the baptism of Jesus. A dove descends on the life of people who are passing away. This is the sacredness that we learn to recognize. And death loses its sting when we know that our friend Jesus is right there. Here's what I know. God shows up to death at least as much as she shows up to birth. That for the miracle that happens in birth, which like, listen, my sister just uh, has a new little baby, and it's like, that is a miracle like what my I've known my sister my whole life and now there's two people that's a miracle but as much as birth is a miracle death is absolutely more a miracle death is amazing death is something that should move us into reverie death should be our bridge to a deeper faith Death should be like when we hear the words of God in a more articulate way than any other time in our life. So much of our spiritual practice truly is in preparation to encounter the death of the world and see it as sacred. I know that that is true because I've lived it. I know that that is true. Here is what I have been promised. 
that our whole embodied being rests and rises eternally with God. That one way or the other, God's love reconciles all things together. That one way or the other, all the cruelty and greed of the world will evaporate and a new world will emerge. That one way or the other, these wars that seem to go on endlessly with no clear solution, all the while families are dying, those endless wars will have an end. That our God is a God who says, enough of the aberration of violence that our God is a God who raises us to new life, that our God is a God who cares about bodies, who cares about your body, and who cares about creation enough that all of us will rise in love, completely healed, completely anew, completely abundant. Christians are people of hope because we have been promised something amazing something that no one else in the world can promise, that there is a new future, a new world emerging. And not only is it possible, it is inevitable. Because here's what I know, that God is a God who keeps her promises. That every single time I thought I was at the end of my rope and had no more options left, God made a way out of no way. And if God can make a way out of no way in my life, then I can't, uh, and I have every reason to believe that God can make a way out of no way for death. That God can make a way out of no way for all of creation. There's a lot of suffering in our world. There's a lot of pain in your life. I see it. I know it. I recognize it. I'm not minimizing it. But all of that pain will be transformed by a God who keeps her promises. All of the suffering will be as beautiful as a hospital room, a place where we can tell the truth, a place where we can recognize what life really is about, and a place where we, together with all of creation, can sing with the whole planet, saying hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen.